Oh, video games. We're finally diving into the video game realm on this podcast, and I have been waiting for this moment. Today, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about the general topic about what makes or breaks a game, uh, what we like, what kind of features we want to see, what's the right things to do in a video game to keep us engaged as uh, players, and um, for this lovely episode, I have my very dear friend uh, Mike joining in uh, to give us uh, his opinion, because he also has his own podcast, which we'll talk about later on. And uh, he likes to rant a lot about video games, and so do I, so I think this is a match made in heaven. And this is only the start, so expect a lot more uh, video game content, uh, you know, occasionally here on the podcast. So, um, you know, let's, let's babble on. <sighs> Hi lovelies, how are you? I hope you guys are doing fantastic. I'm very excited for today's episode because, first of all, uh, Mike, also known as the Savage Pop-Tart, uh, is a really good friend of mine. We game together occasionally. We have met met on Twitch, and uh, Twitch is a streaming uh, live streaming platform, um, mainly for video games, but it has become for certain other things as well uh, with the years. Um, and... Uh, uh, there's there's a great community of gamers out there um, and uh, you know me as a gamer um, you know playing video games almost on a daily basis um, I, I really like that platform and I have met really awesome and wholesome people uh, through that um, and uh, you know I have a lot of use as a gamer usually with anything I have a lot of views on that and as a gamer I have a lot of views on video games and so does um uh, <laughs> So does Mike. So I'm very excited today. We're going to be talking about all different kinds of things. And this is only going to kickstart uh, the occasional episode about video games. Uh, we're going to dive, dive specifically into uh, specific franchises, um, specific games, specific com- gaming companies, uh, and uh, things like that. Uh, today is going to be the general uh, kind of thing about, hey, what makes or breaks a video game. So without further ado, let's go talk to the lovely Mike. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hey, what's going on, Wishbone? How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, Mike, I want you to go ahead and uh, tell our beautiful listeners about you, uh, where you come from, what do you do, all that kind of stuff in a, in a short sentence. All right, that's you. That's easy. Uh, <laughs> as Wishbone just pointed out, my name is Mike, a.k.a. The Savage Pop-Tart. I am a streamer on Twitch. Uh, I come from uh, Virginia, the state of Virginia. So I represent the DMV, a.k.a. Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia as well. Um, oh, damn, that is a mouthful. I know. I've been, I've been saying it for years. But, you know. <laughs> um, in my real life, I am a personal security specialist for a federal agency. I've been streaming on Twitch for about a year and a half, and I mainly play a lot of FPSs, but I also enjoy other things like uh, Rocket League and any random game that comes out that's just dope. So that's me. Hell yeah, brother. And uh, that's the reason why I wanted you, because a couple of days ago, I reached out to, uh, to Mike here, also known as uh, the Savage Pop-Tart. Um, I was like, Pops, 
let's 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 talk about video games. I'm I'm doing an episode, um, and this man has his own episode on Twitch, and we'll get to that in a bit. And and he likes to talk about video games, and whenever there is a conversation about you know what makes a game great, what you know when we get into specific games and specific topics and stuff like that, there's always an ongoing conversation uh, with this. Uh, lovely man. So uh, I reached out to him. I was like, listen, I'm I'm working on a new episode for the podcast and I want to talk about video games because I still have not touched on that subject yet. And 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 then I was like, wait, why am I asking him? Like, okay, let's just have him here talk, you know, have this conversation with him because he has so much to say. I have so much to say and we seem to be in line with that. So like, fuck it. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's so what brings us together. <laughs> exactly. It's 100%. I think you and I met about a year and a half ago. Right? I've, I've known you for that long. Uh, and, yes. <laughs> yeah. And damn, that, that went by real quick. And um, we, do, we do play video games together as well. And today, let's talk about what actually makes a video game great. Okay. So what is, let's start uh, on a general note, and then as we go, obviously, we'll just get deeper. For you, Pops, what do you think is the number one thing that you look for when you're vetting out a game? What, would it was, what is the thing that will hook you on to a new game? Um, to answer that question, what would hook me on a new game, simply put, would just be playability. Is the game playable? Um, and I, I say that because it kind of crosses over into two parts. Like playability, is, there, is it co-op? Is it meant to be single player? Are the elements of the game made for that? Whichever one that may be. Yeah. But also, is the game polished too? So that I, I kind of throw both of those in the same category because, you know, there is polishing and then there's playability. But if your game's not polished, it's not really playable. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like uh, you're get you're not getting one hundred percent of the product that you paid for. Hence, and, and I don't mean to make this about money. Like, don't don't get me wrong. This is a lot more about you know the actual um, consumer's experience. I would I would want to call it um, in the game because anything less than polished, you are not getting the one hundred percent potential that you were. Intended to when the game was I don't know, um, being made. Absolutely, that makes any sense. Absolutely. For me, that that um, it comes down to yes, obviously playability, but the number one thing is like how everything would be, would come together. Um, and I, and I will explain. This is a really really bad uh, words I'm using here, but. What makes a great game for me is the first thing I look for is does everything, every component, every feature, every gameplay mechanic, every uh, lore or story driven, whatever the fuck it is, is it all in line? Is it all coherent? Is it all, does it like work together? You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of... Um, uh, um, th there's a lot of uh, formulas 
let's call them that, to making a great video game. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, quote unquote. Um, whether it be, you know, let's make an open world. Let's make, a, I don't know, exploration driven game. Let's make, a, let's put in their puzzles because everybody's doing puzzles. People tend to like that. Some developers just put these kinds of things inside their games just to be like, oh, people are used to it. People are familiar with it. This could be a selling point. But without thinking that, you know, is it actually, does it make any sense? Is it coherent with what the concept of the game is? And, you know, all in all, I just want the game to have a very strong identity. That's what I am saying. So. In my just recapping what you just said, you mm -hmm. want the game to make sense, to be cohesive. Don't just add things to check a box 100%. so that you can, you know, say that you've you can. Oh, there's elements in our game that'll capture this this uh, dynamic of people who like these kinds of games. And then we it basically it's like Call of Duty with puzzle solving like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't that make game, any sense, yeah, right? Exactly. OK, I get you. you. I get you. Understood. Yeah. So that's that's literally the case. And if if we're talking a sequel here, I, what I would look for, you know, uh, in a franchise is actual development. That is, and I'm not talking about game development. I'm talking about like the entire game developing in the sequels to come. So, for example, you know, take Assassin's Creed, the first ever Assassin's Creed, 2007 Assassin's Creed. It had a certain couple mechanics. It had a couple, you know, cool features, whatever. The second Assassin's Creed brought a lot more to the table. It was a wider world. It was, it was, there was no feature, uh, new features. There was new mechanics. There was uh, new stealth elements, new, uh, I don't know, assassinations, animations, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it actually feels like an upgrade. And that's what I look for in sequels, uh, uh, for example, and not, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for reskin, like a new skin on a, on a, on a, on the same title. hundred percent. Cause you know, who's done a pretty decent job uh, with that. And uh, I don't want to throw you off or anything, but have you ever played gears of war when it comes to like developing, you know, a no, sequel? actually I, I remember I played, I think the second one, but it was a long time. It was like on PlayStation two or some shit. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I would say Gears of War does a pretty decent job of advancing, one, advancing a timeline to the point to where, you know, your original characters have kids now and things like that. It's pretty cool. But I understand yeah, what you're saying 100%, nice. though, and it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Exactly. Another great example of that, of that is actually God of War. Dude. Yes. Uh, like, honestly, you know, yes. they have, what, five entries in, this, in, the, in the series, I think? I think five. And... It's been going on for for a long time. It's it's the first one came out in the early two thousands and and um it was not only was it an upgrade but it was a huge upgrade in terms of gameplay technology you know all of that kind of stuff. I would rather quality over quantity in that case, and this is what they did because every single new entry in the God of War series felt like an actual upgrade. It felt worth the $40, $60 you were spending on that game. And it was just a, a game. All of the entries in that series felt really, really strong. 
they had a strong identity. They had a strong um, uh, gameplay style to them, a strong story behind them. Everything was progressive, and it really reminds me of what you just said about Gears of War, where, yeah, with time, you know, it, it becomes the generations, and you're seeing the kids, and you're seeing, you know, all that kind of stuff, and it's a continued story. And a game, don't get me wrong, a game does not have... You know, a franchise does not have to follow up on someone's story to be progressive. It could be progressive just in the way, in the concept. Uh, like, for example, Assassin's Creed. Yes, there is an underlying story that is always, like, going through and through and, you know, but it's literally the most boring aspect of the game. Like, no one, ca- I tell you what, no one plays the Assassin's Creed because of the modern-day story that is going and connecting all of those you know, sequels together. Uh, I don't think, right? I ain't gonna lie, Wishbone, I done went on YouTube, found all these videos to connect the continuity from all those, like, different, especially, like, in Assassin's Creed, like, all the, like, <laughs> finding the glyphs, putting those videos together, finding, like, oh, my God. Yeah. It, like, I used to nerd out over that. But no, 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 no. That's, <laughs> that's, that's completely cool. That is completely fine. Again, like different people look for different things, but it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not what I'm implying. <laughs> I'm not saying they're shit. I'm just saying that they're most boring aspect of the game. For sure. Which I still can be great. Still can be great. I personally don't really care. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, but I, I hear what you're saying when you, you know? uh, talk about God of War. And I, mm-hmm. I'm glad you use that because God of War, no matter what entry of the game it was, always Fuck. felt like a game that you've played before, but was brand new in a sense. Like you oh, always yeah. had that comfortability, like, oh, I've played this before, but let's see what's going on now. It's always something, it's new, but it intrigues you because there's also new elements. So I understand. I get it because I, I bought a PlayStation just to play uh, the God of which one was it? Four? Which one was last? Four. 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 Yeah. Four. I bought yeah, a PlayStation yeah. one of the, Four. Just one of the selling points. Yeah. Same. Same. One of the selling points for the PlayStation Four was actually playing God of War, which jokes on all of us right now. It's available on PC, but we don't talk about that. Santa Monica Studios. Yeah, we ain't gonna talk about it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but no, a hundred percent. So the the Assassin's Creed, for example, is also um uh, a great game to talk about because well the Assassin's Creed franchise is an example of what you don't want to do in a video mm. game I feel you on that I know where this and is I, headed. I, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I you know I have I'll tell you what I have a full-on episode planned just about Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft and I will get to you motherfuckers I will be I will we'll, we'll get there but I'm just going to touch this on this really quick because I, in order to understand a lot of the points that I'm going to be talking about today, you have to, I have to make this point. And Assassin's Creed at this time has, uh, we've surpassed more than 10 entries in the franchise. So between 2007 and 2022, we have more than 10 Assassin's Creed. Uh, including the DLC standalones and the mobile games and everything else. You can inflate that. You'll get a bigger number. But first game was groundbreaking. It was, there was nothing out, out there like it on the market. It was, it was very refreshing to the gaming industry because it was, it was a very new concept. Nobody's done that before. They have um, um, 
put together the element of um, open world exploration, assassination, stealth, um, and history all together, which is never, which is it hasn't it hadn't been done before at that point, and it was very new. And it was such a big hit, and and then the sequels to that, you know, Assassin's Creed Two, Brotherhood, Revelations, and whatever came after that, were hits. I, I would say up to Revelations, they were all great games. And then uh, they, they just had really strong identities. The timelines uh, that they actually the game took place in, the storyline and everything, it, it was just really spot on. It was perfect. It was relatable characters. The music, even I would I want to talk about the music because dope. yeah, the music back back in that uh, era of gaming, there was one uh, producer, like music producer for video games called Jesper or Jesper Kid. Uh, spelled K Y D D, um, that he made some of the best gaming music in that era, uh, and and still today, he, like people swear by his work because he did such an amazing amazing uh, job that you know these kind of tracks have actually turned into iconic uh, music musical pieces. Uh, he actually, side note, made the music for Hitman Blood Money, the fourth installment in the, in the Hitman series, which is also fucking insane. Fire. Um, yeah, so everything from everything to everything, the game, the games were perfect. They were very, very fresh. They were still refreshing with everything. Um, and for some reason, in twenty, uh, was it twelve or thirteen? I don't remember. They decided that okay, let's put a spin on things. You know, the next gen of of um, consoles was out by that time. There's new technology. You know, I get the hype. I get the understandment. Was that so the like PlayStation this- Four, Xbox One? Uh, I think it was, yeah, I, yeah. I don't really remember. Because I, I think the I first Assassin's terrible. Creed came out on the 360? Oh, yeah. The first yeah, Assassin's okay. Creed was yeah, PlayStation... Yeah. Uh, 3, 360. 3 Xbox and 360. the 360, yes, 100%. Yeah. So, um, during that time, they were like, okay, let's, you know, bring out this new shit. They came out with Assassin's Creed 3, which was very different. It was an upgrade. All right, it was it was different from from the franchise. It looked different. It acted different. They basically reset their whole engine. They built it from built it from the ground up and made this entirely new game. Which you'll see down the line that they do every couple of games. So they they take the same engine they're running on. They create one or two uh, or two or three games uh, with that engine. They just upgrade the graphics, the gameplay, add some new features, you know, mechanics, whatever, all of that, and call it. A different game. Can I ask you a question real quick? Completely fine. Yeah. What Which one was that? Which was three? Was that the one where it was uh, Connor, the Native American? Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I kind of fucked with that it one was, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. A great game. Great game, but it is a lot worse than the uh, its uh, predecessors. Yeah. English. Um, so it wasn't up to par with everything else, and it was very, it didn't do that well um but still it you know it could it could it could work and then later they came up with uh assassin's Creed black flag uh mm-hmm. which is the pirates one which mm-hmm. a lot of people enjoyed just because the fact it was pirates it's like the thing with vikings nowadays where you put vikings on anything people will fucking buy it True. It's the same thing. Back then, it was pirates, and it kind it kind of is still the hype around bi- pirates. Really, never really uh, went away. But 
I feel that it's less than before, but still. They did that, and it was huge success. It was like a kind of a redemption kind of thing. And then they released um, a couple, and they, they were ready to move on to the next gen um, uh, in terms of Assassin's Creed. And they were like, okay, let's do, redo the entire system. So uh, it was that time when uh, the new consoles were coming up, and they were like, okay, so on the old uh, consoles, let's keep, let's release another game that falls in between the third and the fourth game, between three and Black Flag, and they called it Rogue, and it was built on that old engine for the current gen, and for the next gen, let's release something called Unity, all right? Now, I have a fuck ton of love for Unity, and I actually have that tattooed on my fucking neck, right? Where you and, have the Unity tattooed on your neck? Yes, Unity. Uh, because Unity did something that no other game has done in the series. And it, 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 it just something... It, it kind of reminded me of the Ezio days uh, where the game had a really strong timeline, a really strong storyline, a very remarkable location and a period of time of, uh, in history, which is the French Revolution, and obviously took, took part in Paris, the game. Um, they reworked the entire parkour system, which is one of my favorite um, um, aspects about Assassin's Creed, and that engine is my favorite parkour system because it is the strongest one. Um, what had happened, though, <laughs> is that they <laughs> fucked up. They rushed the game uh, to line up with the release of all the other games, all the new consoles, the next-gen shit, and everything else, and released a broken game. Um, and if you really unaware uh, or, or wasn't around the gaming industry in that particular um, period of time, the most recent event that I can think about uh, was Cyberpunk. Ugh. Yeah. So whatever Oof. happened to Cyberpunk has actually happened with Assassin's Creed Unity before. And, and they continued, you know, working on it after release. They kind of fixed most of the bugs, but still it is not a very highly optimized game. Uh, you can never really get it to run for, I don't know, higher, higher FPSs. Um, and it just really is a shame because I, I played that game nonstop. Once, you know, they got it patched up and everything and it was playable. I really enjoyed the shit out of it. But moving forward, they released after that the one in London in the Industrial um, uh, Industrial Revolution. Nice game. Wouldn't call it Assassin's Creed. Not really a thing. And then comes the part uh, where I want to really, 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 really uh, touch down on. And they have released the games um, called Origin. And then... They released Odyssey and the last one, the the Viking, which were also redone with some RPG elements, which they have shifted the entire yeah. concept of the game. I have a fun fact for you, though. Go ahead. You say you're a fan of the Unity engine. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know what game is a, a popular game right now that's built off the Unity engine? What is it? Escape from Tarkov. Really. Oh, that's weird. I had no idea. 
That is really weird. I just thought I'd float that in there. So, you know, when you, when, when you stop I, being I, scared, yeah, hop I'll, on I'll in say, there. I'll tell you what. Let me tell you what. I know <laughs> I'm not, not going to happen. <laughs> He's like, no. No, no, but I've been, I've been thinking lately. I've been I've been kind of trying to dip my, my toe in the water. We'll, we'll see about it. If I do, if I do hop onto that train, I will definitely, I will definitely, you'll, you'll be the one to teach me the, the reins. I, I don't, I got you. fuck with that. I got you. <laughs> so have you, have you played any of the, uh, recent Assassin's Creed games? Um, I played the one, I believe I felt like, oh uh, God, which one was it? Oh, where was it set? Like Egypt, was it Egypt or something like that? Egypt or? Origins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the I, first I, one I, after they adapted to a new engine. I like that one. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed that. One. I didn't play yeah, the Viking it's, one yet. It's it's a lot of fun. Don't waste your money on the Viking one. Um, I'm as you can tell, I'm a diehard Assassin's Creed fan. Oh, die I hard. can tell. Fucking like, diehard. You're spot right? on with your history of it. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, I I, I, I had I have played every single one multiple times. I will continue to play Assassin's Creed games, but at this point, I am uh, I kind of, you know, throwing my hands up in the air for a bit because Valhalla is, is what actually just put the last nail in the coffin for me and for a lot of players. You go on YouTube, talk about, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla reviews, and you will see people just shitting on Ubisoft. And I'm sorry, Ubisoft, but you fucking deserve it because... They're just milking the shit out of, you know, whatever they got going on. They're not really... They, they completely changed this concept of the game where there is no assassination. There is no stealth gameplay. The open world just feels open for no reason because everything's just so empty. And, like, the story in, in, the, in, in Valhalla was really boring, which is the first time I've ever encountered that. I really enjoyed everything, every single story there were obviously stronger ones weaker ones whatever you know that kind of stuff but it just i couldn't it's the first assassin's creed game that i i don't i haven't played all the way through i'm not gonna I lie just, when i saw I trailers for it, it i thought it was assassin's creed for honor edition because that's yeah. also a ubisoft game that included uh -huh. viking so i was like is this exactly. a dlc for for honor like or is this a, a, a you know so a spinoff i was kind of doesn't make any sense i was kind of confused yeah, it don't make any sense. And I was very skeptical. But I was like, listen, you're, you're an Assassin's Creed boy. You're going to go ahead and buy the game and play it. There is, like, it's not an option not to buy the game. It's like, you can't skip out on this, you know? And yeah, whenever they're going to release a new game, which is probably, you know, there's some leaks that are talking it's next year. They're doing a live service game, which, God help all of us, what the fuck that's going to be. Um... Yeah, I'm going to pour my money into it. I'm going to buy it just because I am an Assassin's Creed fan. I like, I, you know, it's like being addicted to buying Gucci. You know, if yeah. Gucci comes out with a new collection, you're going to go buy it. There is no, there's no question. Anyways, that, yeah, that is a bad example. <laughs> that is a great example of, of what actually killed the, the, the series for a lot of people. And I really, really hope for the sake of it, they just, just kind of bounce back and try to, I don't know, bring it back a little more towards roots, to bring it back to being Assassin's Creed. And that's um, the thing that I want to say is that in general, 
a lot of video games today are just taking out these taking these concepts and um and 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 mechanics and and they're like okay people like exploration people like going to camps and and you know taking out uh, uh um you know uh enemy posts and whatever let's do that so you can see that in far cry you can see that in uh tomb the recent tomb raider games you can see that in all these kinds of games right ghost recon another ubisoft game yeah all ubisoft games you know watchdogs you know the list goes on but all ubisoft sure. games are just like different skins for the same mechanics that we like at this point come on the cow is like stop squeezing the shit out of my titties what do you want i got no milk no more you know <laughs> Can I can I say one thing? Because it's funny you brought up why you just said watchdogs, and I was thinking about it. Yeah, I think the one thing that's really cool, especially from Assassin's Creed, is if you've played Watch Dogs, there's a little bit of a crossover yeah. when it comes to who you're assassinating and things of that ca that nature. So it's like, are it you? Is. Are, are these people Templars? Are you an assassin? And it's, it's I think the that's same cool. Thing. But it it's is. Kind of like, eh. But. <laughs> But, like, I, I would totally accept that. I will tick it in both arms, right? If it was something that felt different, but yet at the same time had referenced yeah. Assassin's Creed, right? Referenced the Templars. This is, you could literally just call, like, why not go in, you know, full, like, full hands with the concept and call it Assassin's Creed Modern Day or whatever, you know? Codename. And be like, okay, this is what Assassins versus Templars would have been in the modern day. You know? With the hacking, with the stealth, with the everything, with them trying to take over the world, you know? All whatever the fuck Watch Dogs was trying to do. But yet again, it was a copy-paste. It was something that they just slapped on. Everything felt clunky. The game was full full of bugs. The trailers, the trailers they showed at E3 the year before. Uh, uh, the game's release was yeah. nothing f visually, nothing compared to the final product, and it was just a big disappointment. And it, for such a great idea, you know, hey, that's Ubisoft's bread and butter right there, because you can ask the Rainbow Six community there how that we went. Go. Yeah, I, I, I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> heard plenty about that. You, Jen, you know, you don't need to tell me. Ugh. But that's 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 Ubisoft, and they will get their own episode. Let me tell you what. I can't wait to hear <laughs> it. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a long one. <laughs> but what? Okay, let's talk about a great example of of something that you have played recently, and was like, okay, I played this game before, or for the first sequel to it, or whatever. It was complete shit. But I gave the sequel or the updated version of the game another try. And it's fantastic. What's that game for you? A game that was trash that turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, or the sequel, or the game got fixed and patched, or whatever, you know? Because there are, there are a lot of those. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, success stories. Like, No Man's Sky would be one. Yeah. That game was DOA. And <laughs> um, also, I would say, um, in the same breath, Rainbow Six Siege, when it came out, Oh boy, that game was DOA. And I hats off to the Ubisoft group for, you know, diligently working. The shit out of that. Yeah, but like we just said and we talked about when we opened this podcast is playability and polishing. Like, mm -hmm. why would you release something that fucked up? 
and you knew it wasn't ready to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hundred percent. Uh, listen, I, we can we can never really know what's happening, you know, behind the scenes and yeah, who's who's really controlling the shit and uh, who's be, who's 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 pushing for release. And and I get it, P, you know, these companies need to make money and yeah, all, all is well. Um, so I usually try to not get too much into detail about you know why did they release this if they knew you know okay oh, fuck it it happened all right yeah What's sure. Next? Like, that, that's a business know? call. That ain't nothing to do with the developers. That's a business yeah, call. Exactly. You know, whenever whenever we're having a conversation about video games, we need who to blame. We need to, we need to know who to blame. We can't just be blaming people left and right. Take for example Hunt Showdown, right? People are like, "Oh, why 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 are there so many bugs in the game but you're still pushing out content like DLCs, cosmetics uh, DLCs for that matter every month?" And I'm like, "Guys, like the people working on the cosmetic the, the, the cosmetic DLCs are not the actual devs of the game that are you know working on the bugs and coding the shit out of the game. It's not the same team. So there's you're blaming the wrong person. Yes, I agree. They should put more resources into that. The the money that you're paying to the um cosmetic uh to the artists sh- or part of that at least should go towards making the game actually playable and you know fixing the bugs, introducing new mechanics and maybe new game modes or whatever. But still, you need to know who to blame. You can't just go off and blame everyone. Blame the marketing guy. Like, what the fuck? What does he, what does he have to do with yeah, that? He's, he's just doing a job. They're not the ones pulling the strings, you know? So that that's yeah, one thing exactly. I would like the gaming community as a whole to understand is that the people developing the game are literally artists. And I'm 100% sure they, did, they wouldn't want their life's work released before it it was done but they don't 100%. have 100%. They don't have they don't that's not their call, you know. Blame the company. That's all right. Blame the company. For sure. The company's responsible at the end of the day. You cannot go blame a, a, a department or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, No Man's Sky uh actually is a really great example of that. Uh you know what is uh, another great example is the Hitman series. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. What 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 games what uh, what games have you played in that franchise? Um all of them. <laughs> right? But, yeah. Um so good. I kind of so got good. jaded once they started releasing uh the content as separate packs. Yeah. You know, and I was like, "Ew, I don't like this." Mhm. I I agree with you. They did a really sketchy thing by the also it, Listen, at the end of the day, it did pay off because uh, there was, <clears throat> sorry, there was Hitman 1, which is like also one of its kind. It was, you know, uh, a part of the stealth genre um, that did something very great. And then Hitman 2 came along, improved things, and it was great. Um, Hitman 3 kind of was like a standalone DLC-ish kind of thing. It was a very short game. I think it had like, what, 8 or 10 hours to it. Literally super short. And came and then came four, which is one of the greatest in the series. It just introduced a whole bunch of new mechanics and and gameplay styles and everything else and a rating system and all of that. And then a couple of years later, uh, actually, they took a, a little pause. The game changed hands and you know companies and stuff like that. So and then around the time that Assassin's Creed Three came over, because I remember this very specifically. Um, <laughs> Hitman Absolution came out, which was the most hated on Hitman in the entire franchise, 
where they were like, oh, you fucking completely changed the mechanics of the game to something worse, whatever. I have 550 hours in that game, right? It was at some point one of my most played video games, but regardless of my love for that game, the game was not perceived very well. And then the next game in line was the game that you're talking about, is the game that they released at an episodic uh, order. Where there every month, every couple of months, uh, they would release uh, a new map, but every map was massive. The game was polished. It was more like a reboot to the entire franchise, and it did something very wrong, very right with that, because they gained back their OG fans. Uh, they kept the integrity of the franchise and the core elements that you know make it different and unique and make it very Hitman, you know. Um, and, you know, they are having a great success with it now. Uh, you know, the Hitman 1, what they call the reboot, Hitman 2, and Hitman 3. Um, and it's, it's fucking great. I played all of them, and they're really, really good. Um, Want to talk about first-person shooters? Oh, for sure. We can get into that. <laughs> yeah. We can get into that. Woo! Mm-hmm. It's going to get sweaty. I got smoke for everybody right now. Let's do it. Let's hear it. What, what, come on. Okay. So, my, I, you know, I, as most people who follow me, cool with me, talk to me, they know I am a fanatic for first-person shooters. I really enjoy it. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Lately, I just feel like, you know, a lot of the games are uninspired. Um, like, Oh, I hate to say it, but like I look at games like uh, the new Battlefield 2042, right? I was a pasta. huge. I'm saying it. Copy pasta. And they didn't even do that right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like that game. So not to you know brag or anything, but I'm running a 5900x, a Ryzen 9 5900x, and a 3080 graphics card. And when that game came out, I was getting like 70 FPS, and I'm like. And that's on low. I was like, that's crazy. The yeah, game was yeah. broken. I um, remember we played the beta together. Yes, we did. And everybody was excited. Everybody was like, oh, it's just the beta. You know, they'll fix it. Uh, the game was releasing two weeks after that. Yeah. There's no way they're going to be able to fix it, what happened and in when, that beta. When that thought dawned on me, I said, oh, we're doomed. And then mm -hmm. you, you see that even in the past uh, battlefields, they just kind of dropped the ball. Call of Duty another lead uh, you know industry leading title for you know fps yeah. has kind of really dropped the ball as, as well you know with uh more vanguard. vanguard oh god like vanguard was i'm not going to try i'm not going to sit here and shit on something that developers spent a lot of time on you know what i mean because those people were probably underpaid not getting treated well and under a heavy crunch, but I will yeah, say, yeah, that's uh, again a, a different different story for a different day. Like yeah. we're not blaming the individuals again. Like yeah. the company is uh, held accountable for all the decisions and for the final product, no matter who worked on it. Yeah. So from what I'm starting to see now is you have these like smaller indie companies coming out with FPSs like World War Three, which was literally an indie game that feels more battlefield than battlefield you know you got yeah. games like ready or not um here i go you got games like you know as much as people hate on ea apex legends is fire phenomenal yeah, game. to teach me that by the way yeah that's you know <laughs> um 
I, I just, I don't know. Tarkov, Tark, an yeah. indie company using Unity, mm-hmm. you know, like even though that's a more hardcore as hell first person shooter, but it's, it's still it's a different kind of thing, but still it's unique. It's, it's it did it's something so that has never good. been done before. Yeah, for sure. And I think when we look at, you know, the state of first person shooter games right now, there's not a whole lot of new, you know, this is kind of hard. It's just point, click, and shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be real. But yeah. there needs to, like, I feel like there needs to be more innovation put in or more. Exactly. Because all of the FPS games nowadays are just literally looking the same. They're like, first of all, first of all, since when do my fucking soldiers run that fast? Let me tell you what. Like, what is that Godspeed? They're jumping heights. They're like, what is that? You know, it just seems, and I get it. Like it appeals to more people, the high pace and everything, but I could never, you know, I remember the weekend that we, we had the um, battlefield uh, 2042 for, for the open beta. And we played together. We played with the, with a couple people uh, from your community. I had a really hard time just moving and recognizing where the fuck I am where my team was, who were fighting, where am I getting shot at from? Because everything was so fast. Everything was so yeah. high, well, like too high paced, you know? Because I remember, I'm not a huge, sorry, I'm not a huge um, FPS guy, right? And it is, it's like, it's completely fine. I play FPS games, I want to say casually, except for Hunt Showdown, because it's a very, it's, it is an ex- exception. Um, and I remember, you know, from the last couple of Call of Duty games that I played a couple, of, like, um, I don't know, a decade ago at this, time, at this point, uh, you know, uh, Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty 2, you know, the actual solid games of Call of Duty, it was, it felt different. It felt very different. It felt a little bit more reasonable for a soldier to run duck uh, lay flat on the floor, I don't know, crouch through shit, you know, it just felt, I don't know, more like an actual soldier, not like a superhuman, right? Now, that thing, that kind of sort of situation, I can find appealing in, like, Valorant and, uh, what's it called? In, in, Apex, um, games like Apex, that. there we go. Yeah, where it's like a lot more supernatural, it's a lot more mechanic, there's like robots everywhere, you know, it's supernatural kind of stuff. But if you're taking a franchise that is based on uh, real life events and wars and soldiers, and it is, you know, based off of realistic weapons, and you're like making that into supernatural kind of... I just don't get it. I really don't get it. It's very frustrating, you know? It's very frustrating. I was very excited for Vanguard. I'll tell you what. I was very excited for Vanguard. But it just, it, you know, from what I've seen, it turned out shit. And I haven't bought a Call of Duty game in six years now. I haven't. Yeah. I don't blame because you. because of that. I don't, yeah. I don't blame you. And I don't want to sound like a nerd or anything like that, but seeing hollow sites, nerds. seeing holographic sites in a it. World War II-based game is crazy. But also, I look at it from the perspective of a lot of these like AAA games, FPSs that come out, they're yeah. not looking for it to be based in re- realism. They'll say that, but it's really based to become its own esports so they can monetize that as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you look, exactly. 
you know, and I think a lot of the issues we've had in gaming, you know, I hate to be that guy, kind of stem from esports and the need for, you know, true. and, you know, I, I mean, Get, I understand. It's a moneymaker, let's be real. It's yeah. a moneymaker. Companies want to make money and it is, it's, again, completely fine. At the end of the day, uh, you got to weigh in what you want to compromise. You want to compromise the experience of the players and make money off of that, you know, all cool, the decision is yours. Or do you want to actually give a good product, make a little bit less money, but still, you know, make good money and have all parties satisfied? Or are you going to just put in the uh, a lazy effort and be like, all right, we slapped this on. It's a new skin. Yeah, go, go fucking, you know, jerk off to it in a corner and give us $50 for it. You know, it's, it's really a matter of integrity at this point. And... Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say in that in that matter. Yeah, because at the end of the day, these publishers have people they have to answer to. You know, they're publicly traded companies. Oh yeah, folks done put their hard earned money on the line, and they they expect the most return that they could get. And I mean, oh, yeah. I understand that, but you know, as a consumer and as a fan of this genre, or just a fan of games in general i feel like we as the consumers have been compromised and nobody's really talking about like people are talking about it but i don't think you know it's it's definitely not a topic of discussion in these like high up meetings in these different publishing you know oh no companies it's mm -hmm. like no nah, they don't care it's like hey what's going to make us the top dollar and at yeah. the end of the day it's either roll with it or play no games so we're yeah, or make or make a game and milk the shit out of it with you know microtransactions and DLCs and all of that kind of stuff. Which... And you know, you know, I'm not a I'm not opposed to microtransactions as long as they're like stuck with skins and things of that nature. Like, you yeah, remember... I don't, I I really I'm against not against microtransactions and DLCs. I'm against pay to win, pay to win, and Split half assed content half-assed content and i'm also very much against splitting the player base and i'm oh, gonna yeah. use the um call of duty was notorious for this back in the day where they would drop map packs you know what i mean like bruh yeah if, if you you could queue up with your homeboys and say you ain't got it like that so you couldn't buy the uh you couldn't buy the dlc it'd be like somebody in here doesn't have the dlc so y'all ain't y'all won't be able to play all these other maps but i think nowadays that that kind of uh monetization uh scheme is dead like most most games are just dropping all the maps for free but yeah. you have to pay for skins like player skins guns gun skins and things like that i also don't enjoy like what call of duty was doing at one point was dropping all these skins for guns with hidden attributes in them saying it's just cosmetic but it's really pay to win yeah you know not saying? cool not cool uh, a great example of that would be the Kane skin from Hunt Showdown, which which was a it caused a huge fucking fire in the community uh, over the past couple months. Uh, so around how was it? Uh, I think December. I think so. Around December, they released a new skin in Hunt Showdown. Which for those of you who don't know Hunt Showdown, I'll, I'll lay out the setting for you real quick. It's a it's a it's a video game that takes place in the early 1900s or the late 1800s um, with, you know, uh, guns and weaponry from that era. 
um, in uh, the bayou of Louisiana. So everything is like super muddy, worn out, and dark. Uh, dark. Opaque, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously a zombie plague that happened over there. There's some uh, kind of dark power that's taken over the bayou, and uh, uh, that's the general setting. So the skin that they had released, it is, it is completely cosmetic, co- cosmetic, all of their skins that they released, all the DLCs, there's nothing uh, of the sorts of pay to win or splitting the player base and, or any of that. They released this Kane skin, right? The name of the skin is Kane, and it's this guy that looks like a caveman. He's got a long brown beard, long hair. Uh, he's wearing only an underwear, but all of his body and skin, his face, Sorry. his back and everything is covered in mud like dark brown mud. So what happened was there was a lot of situations, and I'm talking about 90% of the situations where you encounter this guy, right? Encounter someone running that skin, and he is practically invisible. You could not see this guy because he just blends in with the trees and the muds and the and the uh, dirt mounds and, and all of the surrounding to a point where you cannot see him at all. So the community got super furious about it. There was months, and I like honestly remember the 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 salt about Kane. Um, it was it was insane. People were furious for months up until literally was it a couple weeks ago where they released a new update where they actually changed the skin. Um, and that is a, a great example of first of all devs wanting people to have a good time in a game and be like, okay, listen, we did something wrong. We did not realize that this is what gonna gonna be translated this way. We fucked up, but here we are. We're gonna fix it. Against, I think if this would have happened in Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever, where a, a skin would make you invisible happen, they would just keep it. Because it's gonna make you money. <laughs> It's funny you say that because Warzone and Call of Duty, they released a skin call, uh, for a character called Rose. And that Rose, already sounds bad. Yeah. She literally had a wetsuit, a full body wetsuit that was black. Oh, no. All black. And you could not, if somebody was ratting, boy, you walk into a room and she'd literally be sitting right next to you. Oh, you couldn't no. see her. So, oh, no. Rose. Uh, the uh, the rose skin was wild, but you know the developers listened and they changed, they brightened her up a little bit. But that also goes into um, you know back to where we were talking about what makes a good game, and that's effective communication. You know oh, the yeah. community, the community, you know declared, hey, we don't like this. This is breaking the game. It's breaking immersion. It's not cool, and we're not having fun. Fucking yes, it makes it. It might have took a while, but the devs communicated. And they got it fixed, and that's on mm-hmm. both for both games. And it's hard to believe, you know, a you know Activision Blizzard like Activision and Blizzard are out here listening to you know the community. But it happened because it was really yep. egregious. It was very much so egregious. Yeah, it's it's uh it is something that really makes a game, in my opinion, especially the live service games. Um, an active development team that listens to the community. It is something that is so underrated it's so taken for granted a lot of times that you know devs are actually listening to the community they're taking into consideration everything 
or most of whatever, you know, whatever they can take on. And they're just listening, whether it be bugs, suggestions, new features, uh, small tweaks and changes. And again, I, I mean, Hunt Showdown is a great example of that where the, the devs, the devs team, they are oh so active. They are oh so active with the community. They really are, and I I have a, a huge appreciation for that team. Um, uh, they're a small team, and most of whatever they do is very highly heavily impacted by the community, yeah. which is amazing in my opinion. Yeah. So shout out to all the community managers, social media managers. Because y'all are out here getting flamed every day for something you have nothing to do with, but you still communicate. You still keep oh, that 100%. line of communication open, and y'all make things happen. You get in the devs' ears like, hey, this is a problem. Can y'all look at it? They determine, yeah, you know what? You're right. So shout out. Really shout out to the unsung heroes out here, the community managers. 100%. Thank you. We appreciate y'all because I don't think they get enough love, but they take the brunt. Because they're the most accessible. They take the brunt. Yeah, they're in the front line. Okay. They're in the front line. And uh, they really are doing the, the work of the Lord out there. The Lord's work, baby. Yeah, the Lord's work. Um, so I want to talk about something uh, real quick uh, in video games where um, some video games try to mimic a lot of realism. Right, and it is completely fine, uh, but it, it has to be, I think, um, in a lot of uh, situations, it has to be balanced with some fiction of some sort. Because you can't, like, imagine, you know, a, a game based around like war and gunfights, like you know, Call of Duty and you know all those kinds of games, um, being like too realistic. It would be boring as fuck, wouldn't it? Too realistic? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep it 100. Like, I enjoy realism. Yeah, but, but it had to, it had to be, like, to a certain extent. It's still Just a video game. <laughs> flow going. Because, like, a great example of that would be Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh, masterpiece. Fucking masterpiece, right? Masterpiece, easy. But. And there's a big fucking but. I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 is a bit... Just a tiny, tiny bit too real. And it, like, yeah, that's the pace of the game and everything. But it, it just made the game take so long. Like, everything took so long. Just traveling between two cities would take you, like, five minutes. <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm just trying to go get my guns polished. Right? Like, for fuck's sakes, why, why do I have to ride a half-assed, tired horse all the way across the bayou or whatever the fuck area you want to call that just to go get my guns polished or buy, I don't know, buy food for my horse or, you know, these kinds of things. You know, it's... Like, I'm, I'm not speaking specifically about that point, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, you know, your hair grows and you have to take care of it. It's, like, cool. It's, like, cool levels of realism that have never been done before. And Rockstar is known for doing things that have never done before and capitalizing on it and just building off of it. And, you know, it's what Rockstar do. But I, I really feel like that it is a hair too real. 
Because when you get to a point where I, for example, I am a sucker for open world adventures, uh, action games. I'm really a sucker for those. I, I feed off story as well. So it's like great. It has all of the, uh, the components that I like, Red Dead Redemption. But I had to fucking take a break for a couple of years from the game, honestly. I couldn't finish it in one go. And I still haven't finished the main game up until this day. Because it's just very time-consuming, man. Like, Jimmy, I feel you. I feel you. I really do. But when I tell you but, because of that, I felt like putting on a fucking cowboy hat, some boots, packing a dip, and just like spitting in a spittoon can. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that yeah. game had me feeling like I was a fucking cowboy. out like Just oh, an outlaw. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. when I played that game, I felt like you, it'd take an act of God for me to get off of the game. I was that immersed in it. So I understand where you're coming from. Cause like having to ride your horse here and there got hella annoying. But when I tell you while I was doing it, I was just like, fuck it. We about to go do some things or I'm about to go catch this gang slipping. And I'm just sitting there. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really just riding a horse, listening to music, mm -hmm. just riding a horse. I'm just like, look at me. I'm on a horse. You know what I'm, I'm a fucking horse, bitch. Yeah, I'm gonna no, go shoot I, some I, people I, in the face. I feel you, but man, I kind of feel like yes, that was annoying, and yes, it was a little excessive, but it also kind of added to the charm of the game because you really oh, felt yeah. like you were a part of an outlaw gang, throwing people. hundred percent. Hog time not... folks, throwing them into the river. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you what. I I'm not hating in, uh, on the game by any means. I no, just. I, I really like it. And I recently actually got into the online version of the game, which, by the way, if you have it, like, honestly, let's fucking schedule. Um, it's, it's really good. But, again, it just, it's, sometimes, sometimes it feels a little bit more time-consuming because sometimes you just want to yeah. hop on, you know, shoot some things, you know, get into, it, into the action of it. Yeah. Because I felt that the balance of action to chill time in that game was a little bit off. Lopsided. That is the only, the only thing that bothered me about that game. Understood. I like I like chilling. I like action, but the balance was not there. I, it just didn't feel like it was balanced for me. And it is obviously a personal opinion. I mean, if I was, if I would lean more towards the chill kind of gameplay, I would have enjoyed it a lot. I would actually have gone through the entire thing, but I just couldn't. No, I, I understand. I understand 100%. Because like you said, I, I also will have to agree that the action to, you know, nothing going on portion was kind of lopsided. But yeah. I was here for it. I was drinking, I was drinking whiskey too. Oh, like, hell I'm, yeah. You were living the dream, my man. You were, you were, you were wearing your, your gator skin. <laughs> I had uh, the coat. In any uh, game, yeah. I get to actually dress people up. Like, it's weird. You know, like, I didn't tell anybody I love that. when I uh, started. I'm an army veteran, so, like, it's, like, people are like, oh, you like dressing people up? Like, bruh, either my dude's going to be cold swaggy or look like a hobo. There's no in between. Yeah, one of the two. There's no in-between. A 100%. <laughs> Pops, have you, played, have you ever played The Sims? I have never played oh The Sims. Oh, my God. I just want to see you create a Sim. That's it. I don't want to actually see you commanding Sims around the house, but I want to see you create a Sim and dress him up. It's so good. It's so fucking good. 
It might happen. <laughs> hey, why, I, I, I totally see it happening. It's funny. It really is funny because I started my entire gaming content creation when I was in high school and I was playing The Sims. I used to create Sims Let's Plays on YouTube. Like, that's way back when Let's Plays were a thing. I don't, I don't, yeah, there are videos out there. If you do a little bit of digging, you can find them. I'm not going to give it away for free. And I'm not gonna tell. So, I ain't gonna tell nobody either. They are so cringy. <laughs> they are so cringy, man. They are see, so cringy. You see, super young wishbone out here, all fresh oh faced. You're like, oh god. my god. The, 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 I'll tell you what. There was nothing gayer <laughs> and more innocent than wishbone playing The Sims back in 2010. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. That, that's hilarious. There's nothing gay <laughs> or innocent in wish, but that's crazy. But hey, shout out. You're not the, you're not as innocent though anymore. No, I'm not. Grown grown man status. <laughs> I, I grown the fuck out of that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> that's funny as hell. But yeah. Oh, I kind of want to replay. Damn, you just talking about that makes me want to replay that game again. You should. You should. 100%. You should. It's funny. I actually, a couple of days ago, I fired up The Sims 4. It's shitty as fuck, but just for the sake of it. I played for like one hour and then uninstalled it. But, the you know. nostalgia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know what, what kind of got me into like feeling like it. But just, you know, from time to time, you want to play those OG games. I, I, I recently played a little bit of uh, Max Payne 2. Oh, God, that was so good. Chef's Kiss. Yeah, that Bullet game time. was like, motherfucking was running after Mona the entire time. And Mona didn't even exist, man. She, she, that's can, I ask you a, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Now that I just used the word nostalgia, mm -hmm. do you feel like due to nostalgia, a lot of older gamers or gamers who played a previous entry of a title can't get over that nostalgic feeling they got while playing that previous game? Yeah, well, 100%. I feel that. It is. It's completely uh, a valid uh, thing. I just wanted your opinion on that because I, I, like, I feel like that's a real thing, especially with like Halo, any new Halo that comes out, everybody's like, oh my God. I'm like, bro, it's because we were all like 15 when it came out. Yeah, yeah, it's it definitely is, and I do have fantasies about a couple of games that I would love to see remade or Max Payne made know, one of them. Uh, uh, yeah, Max Payne, the Splinter Cell uh, franchise, which was fucking insane. Uh, there was a, a, a live service game called uh, Guns with a Z uh, that I would really love. To, it was a very niche game, but I don't think it would ever get remade but you know it's it's like one of those fantasies that you you have and you're like hmm yeah because i like to think uh there was a game on like the og xbox called black i would love to i would love to see that revamped um max Payne revamped would be fire i know oh, i'd be yeah i know i'd be like oh i remember the where i was when i first played max Payne. um i would like another like a true to life boxing game to come back out again but oh you know, yeah you're like, oh my god! I remember the first time I played. Like I had a Dreamcast and I played Ready to Rumble. That shit was crazy, or like Crazy Taxi. Yeah, you know, I just know, you know, if they were to ever come out with them again, 
I would try to keep my expectations low because I'm no longer that same gamer that I was when I was like 14, 15, 16. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, uh, listen, we've come a long way. It's, it's not like, it's very difficult, first of all, to come up with new original, original stuff because like sure. almost everything has been done already. Um, and even if you want to elaborate on, th- on, on, a, on a concept that's been done before, you have to be really original and creative with how you're going to like freshen it up and take it into, into the next level. Uh, like, for example, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which, t- oh my God, such a fantastic game. It came out like two years ago and, and man, so good, so good. But still, if you look at it, when it boils down to it, it is an open world with outposts and a couple of stealth mechanics and everything really heavily reminds me of Assassin's Creed and maybe Hitman and some, or uh, the New Age um, Tomb Raider games. But they made it in such a way that is so interesting and so it felt so unique. So I would say anything is possible if you put enough effort into it. Uh, especially when also remaking uh, older games. Take, for example, Resident Evil 2. Mm. Uh, it is, I, th- I think that the remake is a lot better than the original, which is almost a copy of 1 to 1. They made a couple of changes here and there, but it is an actual remake, like a full on remake. It feels different. It feels different, but it is the same. Yeah. You, you know? You're it's, like, I've played it's, this before, but this feels different. Yeah, exactly. Take, for example, the 2006 Tomb Raider anniversary, which is the 10-year anniversary installment um, for the 1996 title that was the first ever Tomb Raider game. Fucking insane. They kept the the game the same, the entire same. They just literally brought it into the modern day. And that's, that's always a safe card to play, but also you have to know how to do it right. You have to know what to change, what to keep, how to do it, and for things to actually, you know, work. Because fast forward 10 years later, they released the fucking Tomb Raider reboot and they killed the entire series. And now the title is sold to another company that is working on something else. So, God knows. Wait, are you talking about like the rise of Tomb Raider and things like that? Oh, yeah. The, that trilogy, yeah. Like oh. the reboot. It's, it, they're great games. Yeah. They're not Tomb Raider games. By any means, nothing like no. I would take them more into uh, <coughs> Uncharted. Uh, bless you. Thank you. I would take them more into an Uncharted kind of. You know what? You're not wrong. That is actually a very yeah. good. Damn, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because the Tomb Raider games are very heavily focused on puzzles and schmuzzles and all that kind of stuff. The newer one, puzzles, is actually not an obligatory. Um thing to do it is an optional thing it is you don't really get rewarded by something great for doing that you usually get like i don't know some gold or whatever some game in-game currency which is all by by in itself is stupid in-game currency like who needs money in tomb raider you're you're in the fucking jungle you know like what <laughs> so it, just trying to bring everything into the modern day world with everything that people are used to 
doesn't make sense. Why is why am I going shopping in Tomb Raider? It, like it doesn't make sense. In Uncharted, it makes sense because you're exploring some distant location in Africa in a village where they sell I don't know parts for weapons and shit like that. You are using weapons and stuff like that. But in Tomb Raider, there was no weapons. She had the dual pistols. She had a shotgun and a machine gun. It was uh, like a mini SMG, and that's it. That were that were her her weapons. She had nothing else. And she was fighting, you know, dinosaurs and these mythical creatures and whatever, and animals and stuff like that, and not people, not hordes of soldiers. Like, it just all does not, they, it felt very industrial, you know? The, the new Tomb Raider trilogy, I had a lot of fun playing them, but they felt very industrial, and they do not belong in the Tomb Raider series, is all I'm, I have to say. I respect that. Yeah. I respect it. Again, good games. Just change the name, please. Like, next time you make that, just, you know, tweak the name a little bit. Call I'm it, sorry. I don't know, Room Tater. Room <laughs> <laughs> Tater. <laughs> just, just change it. Anything but associated with fucking Lara Croft, which is my fucking favorite. She is my favorite. She's yeah. OG. Tomb Raider 1996 was the first ever game I ever played. Ever. As a four-year-old. You know, that's crazy. It is? In 96, you were four. That's wild. Like, Jesus. No, no, no. I was, I was four in, in the 2000. That's what? when I got around to getting a computer. What? Yeah, I'm, I was born in 96. Hey, I'm old. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. One of the first games I actually got into and really enjoyed... Yeah, as a as a kid, was the Metal Gear Solid the first one I ever played? Took place. It was the uh, ooh ooh, fuck. What was, I, don't, I don't even remember. It was the Shadow Moses incident. That's if if anybody's listening is a uh, Metal Gear Solid fan, the Shadow Moses incident. But that yeah. was like a stealth game, and here I am as a guy who's usually like, oh, let's shoot a bunch of shit, and now I'm trying to sneak around and learn ins and outs, and like there's. The game has built-in tricks, and, you know, it's, it's just, <sighs> I wish we could get another one, but I don't think that's going to happen. Sad face. Yeah. Listen, it is what it is at the end of the day. We can't, we can't really get everything we want, especially after the hit um, the, the entire industry took, or the entire world took in the past few years. Um, because you can see the pace of releasing video games and working on new video games and the states of things that are being released is just not it's it's just not happening right now yeah so we need a couple of years to you know bounce back from this but i believe we'll be back uh on on the track of great games uh obviously also with the new technology and the the, the you know the current gen and whatever next gen will be uh game development is much more complicated nowadays yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, so everything is taking much more time. But I really, I, I listen. I don't mind waiting six years for a game, then receiving that game in two years, and for them to work on it for another four years while I'm playing it. You know, because it needs the work. I'd rather wait the entire six years for just forget about the game, remember it when it releases, play it, enjoy it, have fun. You Be know? blown away. Be blown away. Exactly. Which I, I, it really hasn't happened in a long time. I, I don't think I've, 
played anything recently that really blew me away. The last one was Ghost of Tsushima, which, again, released, like, what, two years ago at this point? More or less. I would say the Witcher so, series got me. I, uh, it's, it's not my cup of tea. No, I'm respected. Uh, personally, so, uh, yeah. What would be another game that blew me away? I think Rocket League. I could say Rocket League because of its simplicity of how simple of a game that it, re- it truly is. But it also mm-hmm. has very underlying elements of hardcore learning, hardcore gaming. Because there's people that can do a whole lot of random, ridiculous things. But it's all about yeah. the time that you dedicate to playing and learning the game. But at the core level of the game, it's fun. It's just simply yeah. fun. Yeah. For me, for me, I just felt like uh, as if it was a little bit too complicated. It had a little bit too much to it. I personally don't enjoy anything with uh, a lot of, you know, stats and a lot of numbers and a lot of, you know, potions. And it's not really, you know, Dark Souls, that kind of stuff. Not, oh, yeah, I'm not, not into Dark Souls. Right, yeah, not, not my cup of tea. And uh, I tried the, to playing The Witcher 3 specifically uh, four times over, the you know, since it came out at different periods. And I just couldn't really get into it. It's sad. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so before we get up out of here, Jimmy, a uh, let me know what's your like. Uh, let's say top three goaded games that you'd like to go. Um, well, you know this changes constantly, obviously, but m- currently uh, my top two would be uh, The Binding of Isaac and Hunt Showdown, uh, in no particular order. Um, a third changes for the most part every couple weeks i would say right now i'm kind of 50 50 between dying light 2 and red dead online um yeah that's those are the games that i know i'm gonna be like firing up um mostly every day what's yours oh lord so my top three would with like replayability in mind would be uh like the elder scrolls skyrims that game I've spent way too much time on because there's like so many things to do. So I try to like max that out. Uh, I would say also as of recently would be Tarkov, even though that game is punishing, unforgiving, and it makes me hate myself. And I would have to say Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Chef's Kiss. Oh, that game is a masterpiece in my uh, in my opinion. But that's just me. Just, Again, it's uh, it's you and what you enjoy to play, you know? Yeah, and I think that's why I kind of like worded it like that rather than saying like, hey, so what's your top three favorite games? Because, you know, <laughs> we, we, we are actual gamers. So therefore, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to rotate. You're going to find other games to play. So I respect that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, they, all the time you got to be uh, looking out for some new games, you know, because you can't just be playing the entire the, the same games the entire time. It don't work like that. At all. Uh Pops, before we get out of here, uh, tell the people where can they find you. Uh, I want to talk a little, throw in a couple of words about your podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're looking for the Savage Pop Tart and Savage Pop Tart content, I'm starting uh, to upload more to YouTube. Just search the Savage Pop Tart. Uh, I'm on Twitter under the same handle uh, and mm-hmm. Twitch, which is my base of operations. I do dabble in TikTok. I just probably should get off my ass and start uploading. <laughs> um, but I do uh, have a podcast. It's called The Circle of Gamers. Um, my co-hosts include Jenna B, who's also on Twitch, and Professor13Fox, 
who's also on Twitch as well. Uh, we're currently under a little hiatus because, as you well know, Jimmy, sometimes, you know, we do a live podcast and whew, the amount of effort and time that goes into that kind of, you know, weighs and strains on you. But we'll be back. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a lot of effort. Uh, we'll be back. We discuss a lot of like, you know, I would say serious topics a lot of the time, like mental health, um, women's the, the treatment of women in the gaming space or just in general, the LG btqia community in gaming and how they're kind of you know misrepresented and mistreated so we 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 cover a lot a vast majority of things also gaming as well and i would like to start talking about music but you know this is coming from a guy who's been straight his whole life knows nothing about you know being a woman or being a part of the lgbtqia plus community so i just oh, want yeah. to learn and soak it up because if you're <laughs> The moment you stop growing is the moment you probably die. So I'm always a work in progress. A hundred percent. That is beautifully put, Pops. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a fucking blast. Hey, no. Shout out to you. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Straight up. Oh, hell yeah. Anytime, and, uh, you've been there for me just as a brother, as a gamer, as a confidant, somebody I can talk to. I really do appreciate you. So pat yourself on the back. Shout out to you, bro. For real. I really appreciate you. And thanks for having me. Oh, 100% anytime, man. Anytime. All right. I'll see you later, Pops. Right. All right. You be good, brother. You too. Peace. Peace. <laughs> okay, babies. That concludes and includes uh, this uh, episode of the podcast, uh, The Boneless Babbles. I. This was so much fun to record. I really, really love Mike. I think he's a really wholesome individual, and uh, this this man, I mean, this man has a lot of sense into him, so um, this was a great idea to bring him in, in on the podcast. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed it. As I said, uh, Mike's links will be down in the description down below, so you can go check him out, uh, give him some love. Um, in the meantime, we all obviously are uh, following up with uh, hashtag Boneless Corner. You guys have been sending insane uh, stuff. It's kind of hard to do it when there are guests, but I'm really trying to kind of incorporate it into guest episodes as well. But I am saving all your questions and confessions for future episodes where I'm doing solo, uh, which expect for the upcoming couple weeks to see a lot of. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyways, I love all y'all. I will see you next Friday. Okay? So, you know, just keep on babbling on. Bye.